Welcome to the Safe Harbor Digital Community Podcast, our weekly discussion with Dr. Jeff Colburn, where we respond to our audience's questions around God, Jesus, and the Bible. Jeff earned his PhD in Bible exposition and is the founder of the Safe Harbor Digital Community, a safe space for people to explore Jesus. I'm your host, Angela, and I cannot wait to get to today's question. For today's episode, we will be discussing the resurrection of Jesus, what his followers believed, the evidence for the resurrection, and how this is important to the Christian faith. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Angela. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. So glad to have you today. Jeff, so we received questions about Jesus' resurrection. They want to know how we are to believe that he died and was raised, and if there's any evidence But what I want to know is what did his followers believe? Well, Angela, quite plainly, his disciples believed he was crucified by Romans, he died on a cross, and his body was placed in a tomb. And up to that point, they missed all that he had said those those past three years. And they went back to their old lives. We read of Peter and the others that are out fishing. And even after the, the ten encountered the risen Jesus, you had Thomas. And he said, I'm not going to believe until I can touch Jesus' nail wounds. And that's where you get that phrase, doubting Thomas. However, then they describe an encounter with the risen Jesus. And from this, their lives are forever changed. Those who originally fled when he was arrested, they go to their death proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. And once Thomas saw, he didn't have to touch the wounds. They believed Jesus died and was resurrected. And I believe it was this encounter that caused him to go back and remember all that he told him. Jeff, it is obvious that his early, early followers believed he was resurrected and that millions of Christians believe the same. So what is the evidence? How are we to believe? Well, Angela, there's two scholars who devoted a good amount of their career researching the resurrection. You have Dr. Gary Habermas and Mike Lacona. And they both follow this minimum facts approach. And what that means is, what are the facts that are indisputable that almost all scholars agree upon, both Christian and non-Christian? And Habermas identified three minimum facts. One, Jesus died by crucifixion. Two, shortly after his death, the disciples had an experience that led them to believe and proclaim that Jesus had been resurrection, and then he appeared to them. And then three, Within a few years after Jesus' death, Paul converted after experiencing what he interpreted as a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus. Lycona describes these three facts as historical bedrock, and that's because they're solid enough to build a case for the resurrection. Jeff, that is incredible that there are facts that most scholars agree upon, but what makes these facts indisputable and how do we know Jesus was crucified? Well, yeah, so let's take a look at the crucifixion. So crucifixion was a common form of execution by the Romans. And this was to publish, public, uh, excuse me, punish members of the lower class, this be it slaves, soldiers, rebels, or anyone accused of treason. And this is often preceded by torture, uh, more often than not, flogging. And the Jewish historian Josephus reports, uh, often reported that people being flogged were whipped so bad that their bones were exposed. And so for the evidence of Jesus' crucifixion, we have numerous ancient sources. 
So if we first look at the four gospel accounts, all of them claim that Jesus was crucified. And then in the book of Acts, we read of Peter's sermon during Pentecost, where he tells the crowd that Jesus was crucified and was raised. And then Paul writes several times in his letters that Jesus was crucified. And then outside Christian sources, you have Josephus. You know, Josephus, he was born in Jerusalem shortly after Jesus' crucifixion. His dad was a well-regarded priest, and he would have been around when the disciples were sharing the gospel. And he may have heard from other Pharisees that the false Messiah had been crucified by the Romans. And Josephus wrote that Jesus was crucified. And then you have the Roman historian Tacius writing about Jesus' crucifixion, as well as the Greek Lucian. And then you have the early reports. Paul writes in 55 AD that he gave the church of Corinth what he received from the original disciples, that Jesus was crucified and raised. Now we know that the church was established in 50 AD. Now you're looking at 20, 21 years after the crucifixion, Paul is sharing that Jesus was crucified and raised. And then another factor is the passion narratives are incredible because of the embarrassing elements. So often uh, Jewish martyr accounts at that time, they, they gave heroic stories of these martyrs as they faced torture and death, declaring that they had not forsaken God. And then you have to look at Jesus' uh, account of his crucifixion and resurrection. Uh, you know, Cicero, he would talk about, uh, you know, crucifixion not to be mentioned because it was one of the lowest and most gruesome forms of execution. The Jews considered anyone crucified as being cursed by God. This is in Deuteronomy 21, 22 to 23. And Paul tells us, you know, he wrote that the Greeks considered this foolishness. And then if you look at the actual account, what is written, you read about Jesus struggling in the garden, right? Right before his arrest. And then when he is arrested, his followers just, just run away. And then when Peter is confronted, he denies knowing him, right? And then you look at uh, when Jesus is on the cross. He's not, he doesn't say, God, I haven't forsaken you. He asks the question, God, why have you forsaken me? And then you look at the witnesses after his resurrection, the first witnesses are women. Where are the men? They're hiding. They're hiding from the Jews and the Roman officials. So you have these women witnesses, the first witnesses of, of the risen Jesus. And back in that day, uh, Jew, a, a woman's testimony wasn't considered credible. So if you're going to fabricate this story, you would probably use more credible witnesses. Why wouldn't you use like Nicodemus or Joseph Amathea? That would definitely give you more credibility to your story. What about the other two facts, though? How do we know for sure that Jesus appeared to his disciples? Well, so what scholars, uh, dis, you know, what they don't dispute is that the believers believe or his followers believed that they encountered a risen Jesus. They're not saying Jesus was risen, right? That, that they still, they'll still dispute that. What they're saying is that his followers believed that they encountered uh, a risen Jesus. And we have evidence for that. You, you, you have the, the 12 in the upper room. You have the woman at the tomb. 
You have the two on the road to Amas, and then the group of 500. They were convinced that Jesus had risen and that he had appeared to them. So, Jeff, I can understand that Jesus being crucified is a fact and that his disciples believed that they had an encounter with the risen Jesus. But how is the conversion of Paul's evidence for the resurrection? Well, let's talk about Paul. Right. He's known as Saul of Tarsus. Uh, we know he's a Pharisee and he's a Roman citizen. So he had a privileged life. And we also know he was an enemy and a persecutor of the church. He was at the stoning of Stephen. And when he was traveling to Damascus, the purpose of that trip was to arrest Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem. He actually got permission from the priest to do so. And then while traveling to Damascus, he encounters a risen Jesus. And from this experience, we see this rapid transformation in his life. Now he becomes a Christian. He, he, he believes in Jesus. He gives up this privileged life. He goes from persecutor to the persecuted, right? From the book of Acts and his own letters, we know that the persecution he experiences. And he's one of the first people to give an account of Jesus' resurrection. And his missionary work resulted in the rapid expansion of the early church. So Paul's belief that Jesus was resurrected is a historic fact. Well, scholars might debate whether Paul actually encountered a risen Jesus. What they can't dispute is Paul believed that he had encountered the risen Jesus. And because of this encounter, he went from being the biggest persecutor of the church to one of its strongest proponents. And we also know because of this belief, he was executed for it. Hmm. So is there any evidence that is not part of the minimum facts? Well, there's James. He, you know, we know he, he's the brother of Jesus. And we know from the Gospels that Jesus' brothers didn't believe him. They actually thought he was crazy, and, and they taunted him. But yet after Jesus' resurrection, James is a disciple. The book of Acts tells us that you know, James is a disciple, and he's the head of the church in Jerusalem. And his letter is in the New Testament. And then Paul would write in the letter to Corinthians that Jesus had appeared to James. Mm. So if Paul's conversion is one of the minimum facts, why isn't James's considered one? Well, the difference between Paul and James is we don't have a firsthand account from James. So Paul tells us. Uh, that his encounter with the risen Jesus and the resurrection is a reason for his faith. Uh, we don't have anything from James telling us the reason for his faith is because he encountered uh, a, a risen Jesus. We just know that he became a disciple and he became head of the church. So that you, you can dispute you know, the reason for James's conversion. So... If there is one fact that I have not heard you mention, but it, but it is one fact that every Christian knows as truth. So Jesus's body was not in the tomb. Not only did they find it empty, they were not able to find the body. So why is that not one of the minimum facts? Well, as Christians, we accept the tomb was empty. And a great many scholars believe that as well. And if it wasn't empty, why didn't the Romans and Jews produce the body and just stop the Christian movement? However, there's still some scholars that dispute the tomb was empty. They, they, they can't dispute that Jesus was crucified. There's just too much evidence. 
They also can't dispute that his disciples believed they encountered a risen Jesus. And it's the same with Paul. It's just, it's just too much evidence for that. And there's not a whole lot of room of argument. Unfortunately, we don't have that same kind of evidence for the tomb. So it still leaves room for debate. So although we may use it as evidence for the resurrection, it's not considered a minimum fact. Mm. So Jeff, if the majority of scholars believe the minimum facts... For those who do not believe in the resurrection, what do they say happened? Well, there's a few theories out there. Uh, One theory is Jesus wasn't dead, uh, that he had simply passed out on the cross. They took him down from the cross, put him in a tomb where he later woke up. Uh, Somehow he managed to move this rather large rock away from the entrance, sneak past the guards, and make his way uh, to his disciples. Uh, and then these disciples encountered this tortured and crucified Jesus. Uh, unfortunately, there's, there's several issues with this theory. Uh, first, the Romans were experts at crucifying people, so they would know if someone's dead. Uh, second, the extent of the torture Jesus experienced. Uh, he, you know, he, we know he's, he's whipped to an extent that he wasn't even strong enough to carry his cross. So it's doubtful. Now, he had the strength to move that large rock. And, you know, even if he was able to move that large rock, why didn't the guards hear him? You had Roman guards posted in front of the tomb, and, and they didn't hear him. And if they did hear him, how did he escape from him? So if he did survive the cross, it's, it's more likely he would have bled out from his wounds. Uh, and even if his disciples did encounter uh, an injured Jesus, uh, it, it's doubtful that that would had the same profound effect on their lives as we read in the gospel and and the whole of the new testament that does seem like a bit of a stretch so are there other theories well another theory is the disciples were hallucinating uh they didn't really encounter the risen jesus they just thought they did uh, so again there's several issues with this theory uh you have to consider the number of eyewitnesses accounts uh, you have individual accounts, you have group accounts. So, you, you, you know, you have uh, the 12, you have the woman at the tomb, you have the, the two men on the road to Amas, you have the group of 500. And then what about Paul? He was an enemy of the church. So, and we know from his own testimony that when he encountered the risen Jesus, he was thrown from his horse. So uh, this theory is stating that that hallucination threw him from his horse. So it's, Again, there's a lot of issues with that theory. So why is it so important to believe in the resurrection? Can you be a Christian and not believe? Well, the cross is central to Christianity. Uh, to put it kind of bluntly, if you don't believe in Jesus' death and resurrection, uh, me, if you don't believe in Jesus' death and resurrection, you're not a Christian. And there's some reasons for this. Uh, first, if you believe in Jesus, you have to believe what he said. You know, he told his disciple he was going to be crucified. You know, you look at Matthew twenty eighteen and 19, he says, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify him. And on the third day, he will be raised up. Now, if you want a more modern-day translation, uh, look at the message. He says, Listen to me carefully. We're on our way up to Jerusalem. When we get there, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed to religious leaders and scholars. They're going to send him to death. They're going to hand him over to the Romans for mockery, torture, and crucifixion. And on the third day, he'll be raised up alive. 
the other thing is the resurrection demonstrates the power of God. This is the same power that gives us the ability to change our lives. So the power that raised Jesus is the same power that works within Christians to transform them. Transform them, excuse me. Uh, so Paul wrote that the resurrection of Jesus gives us new life. Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And then third, if there's no resurrection, then there's no eternal life. You know, Paul told us in the letter to Corinthians, if there's no resurrection, your faith is in vain, and that you're a false witness. Right? If you look at the NIV translation, Paul says your faith is useless. And then the message calls it smoke and mirrors, and refers to your testimony as barefaced lies. And then again, Paul tells us, and if we had hoped in Christ in this life only, we are all men most to be pitied. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. And Peter also shares the same sentiment, right? First Peter 1, 3 to 5. His great mercy had caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. So, in more modern language, Paul, uh, Peter is telling us you have a new life, including a future in heaven. From what Jesus and his followers said, it does not seem possible to be a Christian without believing in the resurrection. Angela, as you can see, it's impossible to call yourself a Christian if you do not believe in the resurrection. The cross and the resurrection are central to our faith. Jeff, thank you for sharing these facts about the resurrection. It is incredible that so many scholars agree that Jesus was crucified and that his followers believed that they encountered the risen Jesus. Yes, some may not be Christian, and they may not believe that Jesus was resurrected, but there's too much evidence to dispute that Jesus was in fact crucified, and that his followers believed that they had an experience uh, with the risen, risen Jesus that caused them to believe. And as a Christian, this is central to our faith. The only viable explanation for this evidence is that Jesus was resurrected. I hope you all enjoyed this conversation about the resurrection. I know I did. If you have any questions about this or anything else about God, Jesus, or the Bible, please submit your question through our website at digitalsafeharbor.org or email us at questions at digitalsafeharbor.org. Thank you, everyone, for being a part of this podcast. Please join us every Monday as we discuss more of your questions. Have a great day and God bless.